Welcome to the Vanessa Connection. I am that Vanessa. Before I get started talking, I wanted to apologize for the audio and some of the editing. This started out in the parking lot at my daughter's school while I was waiting for her to get out of basketball practice. But then cars were driving up, car alarms were going off, dogs were barking, people were trying to talk to me. And so I had to edit a bit and then add in re-recorded parts uh, here and there. So please, please, please forgive me. I'm still new at this. Most of the time I'm sitting in my car with my phone and my headphones doing this. I don't have a professional studio. This is just me and my phone and you. Okay. Thank you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So I am sitting outside my daughter's school waiting to pick her up from basketball practice. But a little while ago, I was recording one of the episodes for my YouTube channel. And just as I was going to sit down and talk about some things for the day, my spirit guides kind of called me out on a situation that I've been kind of waffling over with my work. So I've been a hairstylist, give or take 30 years. And then several years ago, actually 20 years ago, I decided I was going to retire. (laughs) And that didn't happen. So then I spent the next 20 years still doing hair. Then about three years ago, I decided I most definitely was going to retire from doing hair. And I didn't. Uh, And this was happening while I was going through my shamanic initiation. And that was one of the things that I definitely put in my intentional work was how I wanted to show up in the world. And being a hairdresser was not one of those ways. I was letting go of that. And then, I don't know, about a year ago, maybe a little less, I decided I should get a job. I had moved back down to Texas with my husband after we uh, had been separated for a few years. And I decided I would get a job. And of course, you know, hairdressing is kind of like my fallback. It's always been my career, but instead of going out and finding something else to do, I would just go back to hairdressing. And If any of you are familiar with my YouTube channel, you will know that that lasted, I don't know, four months, and then they let me go. (laughs) And I was like, what? Okay, that never happens, but all right. Um, And then one of the guys that I worked with, he had also been let go, and he just went on to open, he was going to open his own salon, and he had asked me to come with him. And I thought, well, okay, if, I mean, what other job is going to come find you right where you are and offer you a position? So we finally got the salon open March 2nd, I think, was our, our opening day. 
And then, of course, unless you absolutely live under a rock or in a cave and have no, no access at all to any form of media, then you might be wondering, well, what happened? Well, we, <laughs> the rest of us that kind of live under a rock know that the world kind of shut down. So what was that? 14, six, yeah, 14 days after we opened, we were closed again. And I, all I could think of was, oh crap, oh crap, <laughs> the world didn't need to shut down. I could have just taken a hint, but I didn't take a hint. And then even when we reopened, I kind of persisted on trying to still do hair. So then, you know, my business husband, um, Cody, did not want me to not work with him. So he's like, well, what if you did something else? Like, what else could you do? And so what I really, really feel like I'm being called to do is healing work. And not because I went through the shamanic experience. That was just another tool in my bag. Becoming a healer, I guess, has been in my path for quite some time. And I just keep trying to walk around it and avoid it. And even to say those words, to call myself a healer, just still sounds a little, I don't know, it brings up that imposter syndrome. And of course, that's a really uncomfortable place to be. Even though I know what I work with people, I, I love it and they seem to love it. I have repeat clients and that is just such a beautiful place to be. I feel so, I don't even know how to describe how I feel. So yes, I am doing work on other people, but I will tell you the byproduct of being the tool for that work has been very beneficial for me. So anyway... Let's get back on track. So on my new service menu, I have some services on there that are, you know, kind of normal, like facials and waxing. And as much as I love doing facials, when I was putting those on the menu, I was kind of thinking I shouldn't be doing this. I just need to really cut the bullshit and just do my healing work and my intuitive work and spiritual counseling and such but I thought well y'all just stick it on there maybe that'll be the foot in the door for somebody they'll come for a facial or they'll come for waxing and then you know maybe somehow they will feel comfortable with going into the energetic and spiritual practices and so I just let it slide and then today I was talking to my work husband his name is Cody by the way I don't know if I mentioned that and Cody has been, since I've been down here in the South, Cody has probably been my biggest proponent ever. And time and time again, he has told me, do not water yourself down. Do not edit yourself. You be you and either they like you or they don't. Now, I want you to know a little bit about Cody. He is, I don't know, six foot three, six foot four. He is broad-shouldered. He has long, dark, beautiful, perfectly bouncy spiral curls. 
he looks like he should have been in what is that movie with the vampires I don't know he's just beautiful he he is strong he is wildly opinionated but he is also a sort of refinement that I have not found in a man in so very long. He has, you think because he's gay and fabulous that there's, there's the stereotypes that go along with that, but he can, he's very handy. He grew up on a ranch herding cattle and the like. And so while he can be fabulous in his in his uh, beautiful French costuming that he sews himself, he can also put on a ball cap and boots and go, you know, take down a steer. Not that he would want to, but he could. So he really, I, I get a lot of uh, love from Cody and I have a lot of love for him. And so can you imagine being that gay boy growing up in small town Texas? in the 80s and 90s you know not the most hospitable place for a boy like him so when he tells me not to edit myself it means something but of course I still edit myself because I don't want to be burned at the stake I have children they have to go to school I already stick out I have tattoos on my hands and my hair is I don't know what color it is bluish green and that's just a mood my hair isn't always that color but people know I'm not from around here <laughs> and if they didn't know by my appearance once I start talking they know so I've been thinking about my service menu and I was like okay it's fine I'll just put the facials on there and then I was thinking about Brene Brown I don't know a lot about Brene Brown, except she's famous for her insight. I believe she's a psychologist. I know she writes books. I know she has about a million and like a million point three quotes on Pinterest. And I think I have listened to one of her books. I want to say it was like, I don't know, The Power of Vulnerability or something. I can't remember. And her quote, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, but I will at least get out the part that stuck to me and feels important to me. And her quote is, don't shrink and don't puff up. Stand your own sacred ground. And that really kind of hit me. So... So I have not been standing my own sacred ground at all. I have been editing myself. I have been shrinking down to fit what I thought I needed to fit to be accepted in small southern town Texas. And what happens when you do that is, or what happens when I do that is that 
the mask eventually cracks and falls off and I can't keep it up and I probably start to have a little mental, you know, issue going on. I get depressed. I feel yucky. I get grouchy. And so that's where I am or where I have been. So today I was going in my room because that's where I record my YouTube videos And as I am coming around my bed, I hear my spirit guides kind of call me out on my uh, menu service, my service menu. And they said something like, the only reason you have those on there is because you're trying to avoid the real work. And I was like, uh, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. (laughs) And so then I sat down to read the passage for the day out of the Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo. And I kid you not, it was completely about doing that, about not being true to yourself, not being true to who you are. And I ended up crying and like, it was just bad. So I don't even know if I, I might have to re-record the episode because (laughs) it was just bad. Um, but that's where I am. And so I want to talk about what happens and perhaps actually So I want to talk about a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, in fact, who seemed very normal to me. And by normal, I mean like they were living their best lives. They kind of knew who they were or so it seemed. Um, And both of them ended up just highly medicated in and out of, um, I don't know if it's mental institutions, but in-house or inpatient treatment facilities. One is my best friend from high school. And I know she was very intuitive. And I know she was just the one of the most interesting people I had ever met. But she married a guy who really just couldn't handle it. Like, she moved to small-town Michigan and he, I think, tried to make her a small town Michigan wife and her own thoughts and her own wants and her own needs were not ever right. And so she started to crack a bit. And so then she went on some kind of medication and I hadn't spoken to her for a couple of years because, you know, I was a bad influence. I'm sure her husband and her husband's family thought that I, you know, I was permissive. I was from California. I let her have her thoughts and her feelings. So I went for a couple of years without talking to her. And then when I finally did talk to her, I just was blown away because it wasn't her. Like she was all very, she sounded like a Stepford wife. Like she was talking like this 
and everything's good. Everything's perfect. I have the best life ever. And what the actual fuck? Like, that was not okay. That was not my friend at all. My friend was spirited and opinionated, and she could be an absolute twat sometimes. But I wouldn't have had her any other way. And now she was like a robot. And it was just caca. Just caca all the way around. And she eventually, they got divorced. And she she still struggled with some mental issues. <clears throat> and she went back into the hospital. And they finally figured out. Because she, she was bipolar. And so they finally figured out a, a good cocktail of medication for her. So anyways, she, you know, she gets remarried and she goes off her medication while she's pregnant with um, her daughter and that's okay. And she goes back on and she's getting leveled out again and then she gets pregnant again and she goes off her medication. Um, but this time she couldn't uh, handle so well. So she was about seven months pregnant and she just snapped and she... I don't know what she drank, but I know her blood alcohol level was some somewhere around three times the legal limit. Uh, she drove herself into the lake near her house. Her, hus her, her husband had just finished building this beautiful house for them on the lake, and she drove into the lake. And the witnesses say it appeared that she changed her mind, you know, once she realized what she had done. And she was trying to get out of the car. She was beating on the window. And people were jumping in the lake trying to break the window to get her out. But she did not survive. Uh, they pulled her out. They pulled her onto the beach. They, When, they, when she was pronounced dead, they did C-section her on the beach and try to save the baby boy. Uh, and they were not able to do so. So that was really tragic and because I didn't know she had gone through this I didn't know she had gotten divorced I didn't know any of that because of the the type of mental abuse that she'd been living with you know we kind of lost touch for a while and then when I finally called to talk to her and you know I needed to talk about my own crap and catch up with her she had been dead for a year and so that was really tragic so then at this time I had another really awesome friend and she was beautiful and artistic she was a hairdresser like me we worked together and she and I were both pretty deep in the church and same thing. I want to say it was the same thing. Like her husband is a nice enough guy. I think they're actually still married. But she was always being told that she was wrong. Or that her thoughts were wrong. Or that her ideas were invalid. That's really it. She was constantly being invalidated. Like, no, that's not true. Uh, you're crazy. Just over and over and over again. And same kind of story. She ended up 
inpatient therapy for a month, a couple of times, I think, on heavy doses of medication. And she came back out and just was a Stepford wife. So, I, I don't know. I think there's really something to all of this. And someone once told me, in fact, it was a psychologist that once told me after I'd had myself assessed a couple of times because I was being told I was crazy. I was being invalidated. And I was at the point where I thought, shit, if I'm crazy, that's horrible for my children and my family. And so, you know crazy is easily fixable with a pill or a couple of pills or a little cocktail of pills, I am totally willing to do that. And so after being assessed and assessed and reassessed, the counselor finally told me that I was one of the most stable people that they had ever met. And they said that I might want to look into the people who were surrounding me, the people that were telling me crazy. What is their motivation for telling me I'm crazy or for undermining my thoughts or for invalidating my feelings? And that kind of was a real beginning um, of feeling validated. I, here I have a person in front of me who absolutely has the ability to decide if I am crazy or not. And they were telling me I wasn't. I mean, they had the clinical chops. They had the degree. They had the time in medical school to tell me whether or not I was crazy. And all four of the, the doctors that I dealt with at separate practices all kind of came to the same conclusion. So then, you know, I had to really kind of decide what I was going to do. Here I am thinking I'm, I'm crazy because, you know, the people around me are telling me I'm crazy. But when I go to get an assessment, I have two psychiatrists and two psychologists, actually three psychologists, telling me, that I'm one of the most stable people they've met and they don't know why I am seeking assessments. So that means I'm up against something else. If it's me, I mean, really, when you think about it, you are the only person you can control. Try to control somebody else. It just doesn't work. Unless you're some maniacal, abusive bastard you cannot really, truly control somebody else. They have to willingly surrender control. Uh, and so I thought, well, I can change myself. But if I'm not crazy, if I am as balanced as these four or five professionals say I am, how the hell do I fix this situation? And that's kind of where the trouble starts is are the people around you who are telling you these things are they willing to see what's going on 
Are they willing to maybe change some of their behaviors? Are they willing to, at the very least, self-assess? Or are they willing to go get assessments on their self? Are they willing to make changes to their life? Are they willing to make changes to their opinions or beliefs? That's, I think, where some of the trouble starts, is that we just, we can't fix a problem that isn't ours, and we can't make other people see the problem if they don't, you know? They can't fix a problem they can't see. So... So now, dealing with the kind of work I do now, you know, like I said at the beginning, I'm kind of, I've I've got my fingers holding on to the tiniest ledge of salon life by offering facials and waxing in amongst my spiritual and energetic uh, services. And I'm being forced, I'm not being forced, nobody's forcing me to do anything. I've been guided to this point in time, and I feel like I'm standing at a crossroads. And do I continue to waffle? Do I continue to edit myself? Do I continue to shrink to fit everybody else's expectations in this small southern town? Do I try to look completely sane to everybody? Or do I follow the path that I've been put on and the path of what is authentic to me that I've been guided to by my spirit guides? and intuition what do I do and it's kind of a very strange place to stand and I'm wondering if any of you have been standing there and what happened how do you feel what did you do did you did you shrink down did you puff up did you stand your own sacred ground I don't even know if this is going to make it to the air because it just feels like so much right now. But I needed to put it down on a recording and say it out loud, if for no other reason, to listen to it back during the editing process. I feel like having a YouTube channel and now having a podcast has been one of the most enlightening things ever because I have to watch myself and I have to listen to myself through the editing process and what an amazing thing it has been to learn things about myself that I never knew just by watching myself and listening to myself talk. So I would definitely suggest it. You don't have to have a YouTube channel if you don't want to. 
and you don't have to have a podcast if you don't want to, but take the time to video yourself and watch it and then just listen to yourself. Listen to your words. Speak your truth and listen to it and see how you feel. I would love, love, love to hear your experience and know what your decision was. Or even if you haven't made a decision yet, I would still love to hear it. Maybe we can hold each other's hands through all of this and walk along this crazy, and I use that term lovingly, this crazy path that is authenticity for people like us. I hope you have the most amazing day ever. And I do hope to hear from you. Take care. I don't know if it's mental institutions, but in-house or inpatient treatment facilities. One is my best friend from high school. And I know she was very intuitive. And I know she was just the one of the most interesting people I had ever met. But she married a guy who really just couldn't handle it. Like, she moved to small town Michigan. And he, I think, tried to make her a small town Michigan wife. And her own thoughts and her own wants and her own needs were not ever right. And so she started to crack a bit. So... So I have not been standing my own sacred ground at all. I have been editing myself. I have been shrinking down to fit what I thought I needed to fit to be accepted in small southern town Texas. And what happens when you do that is, or what happens when I do that is that the mask eventually cracks and falls off and I can't keep it up and I probably start to have a little mental, you know, issue going on. I get depressed. I feel yucky. I get grouchy. And so that's where I am or where I have been. So today I was going in my room because that's where I record my YouTube videos And as I am coming around my bed, I hear my spirit guides kind of call me out on my my service menu. And they said something like, the only reason you have those on there is because you're trying to avoid the real work. And I was like, uh, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And so then I sat down to read the passage for the day out of the Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo. And I kid you not, it was completely about doing that. About not being true to yourself. Not being true to who you are. And I ended up crying and like, it was just bad. So... I don't even know if I, I might have to re-record the episode because (laughs) it was just bad. But that's where I am. 
And so I want to talk about what happens and perhaps actually, so I want to talk about a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, in fact, who seemed very normal to me. And by normal, I mean, like they were living their best lives. They kind of knew who they were or so it seemed. And both of them ended up just highly medicated in and out of. And so then she went on some kind of medication and I hadn't spoken to her for a couple of years because, you know, I was a bad influence. I'm sure her husband and her husband's family thought that I you know, I was permissive. I was from California. I let her have her thoughts and her feelings. So I went for a couple of years without talking to her. And then when I finally did talk to her, I just was blown away because it wasn't her. Like she was all very, she sounded like a Stepford wife. Like she was talking like this. And everything's good. Everything's perfect. I have the best life ever. And what the actual fuck? Like, that was not okay. That was not my friend at all. My friend was spirited and opinionated. And she could be an absolute twat sometimes. But I wouldn't have had her any other way. And now she was like a robot. And it was just caca, just caca all the way around. And she eventually, they got divorced and she, she still struggled with some mental issues and she went back into the hospital and they finally figured out, cause she, she was bipolar. And so they finally figured out a, a good cocktail of medication for her. So anyways, she, you know, she gets remarried and she goes off her medication while she's pregnant with um, her daughter. And that's okay. And she goes back on. And she's getting leveled out again. And then she gets pregnant again. And she goes off her medication. Um, but this time, she couldn't handle so well. So she was about seven months pregnant. And she just snapped. And she, I don't know what she drank but I know her blood alcohol level was some somewhere around three times the legal limit. Uh, she drove herself into the lake near her house. Her, hus her, her husband had just finished building this beautiful house for them on the lake, and she drove into the lake. And the witnesses say it appeared that she changed her mind, you know, once she realized what she had done. And she was trying to get out of the car. She was beating on the window. And people were jumping in the lake trying to break the window to get her out. But she did not survive. Uh, they pulled her out. They pulled her onto the beach. They, when, they, when she was pronounced dead, they did C-section her on the beach and try to save the baby boy. Uh, and they were not able to do so. That was really tragic. And because... I didn't know she had gone through this. I didn't know she had gotten divorced. I didn't know any of that because of the, the type of mental abuse that she'd been living with. You know, we kind of lost touch for a while. And then when I finally called 
to talk to her and you know I needed to talk about my own crap and catch up with her she had been dead for a year so that was really tragic so then at this time I had another really awesome friend she was beautiful and artistic she was a hairdresser like me we worked together she and I were both pretty deep in the church same thing I want to say it was the same thing like her husband is a nice enough guy I think they're actually still married but she was always being told that she was wrong or that her thoughts were wrong or that her ideas were invalid that's really it she was constantly being invalidated like no that's not true uh you're crazy just over and over and over again and same kind of story she ended up in patient therapy for a month a couple of times i think on heavy doses of medication and she came back out and just was a stepford wife so i don't know i think there's really something to all of this and someone once told me in fact it was a psychologist that once told me after i'd had myself assessed a couple of times because I was being told I was crazy. I was being invalidated. And I was at the point where I thought, shit, if I'm crazy, that's horrible for my children and my family. And so crazy is easily fixable with a pill or a couple of pills or a little cocktail of pills. I am totally willing to do that. And so after being assessed and assessed and reassessed, the counselor finally told me that I was one of the most stable people that they had ever met. They said that I might want to look into the people who were surrounding me, the people that were telling me crazy. What is their motivation for telling me I'm crazy or for undermining my thoughts or for invalidating my feelings? And that kind of was a real beginning of feeling validated. I, here I have a person in front of me who absolutely has the ability to decide if I am crazy or not. And they were telling me I wasn't. I mean, they had the clinical chops. They had the degree. They had the time in medical school to tell me whether or not I was crazy and all four of the the doctors that I dealt with at separate practices all kind of came to the same conclusion so then I had to really kind of decide what I was going to do here I am thinking I'm, I'm crazy because you know the people around me are telling me I'm crazy but when I go to get an assessment I have two psychiatrists and two psychologists, actually three psychologists, telling me that I'm one of the most stable people they've met and they don't know why I am seeking assessments. So that means I'm up against something else. If it's me, I mean, really, when you think about it, you are the only person you can control. Try to control somebody else. It just doesn't work. Unless you're some 
maniacal, abusive bastard. You cannot really, truly control somebody else. They have to willingly surrender control. And so I thought, well, I can change myself. But if I'm not crazy, if I am as balanced as these four or five professionals say I am, how the hell do I fix this situation? And that's kind of where the trouble starts is are the people around you who are telling you these things, are they willing to see what's going on? Are they willing to maybe change some of their behaviors? Are they willing to, at the very least, self-assess? Are they willing to make changes to their life? Are they willing to make changes to their opinions or beliefs? That's, I think, where some of the trouble starts, is that we just, we can't fix a problem that isn't ours, and we can't make other people see the problem if they don't, you know? They can't fix a problem they can't see. So, so now, dealing with the kind of work I do now, like I said at the beginning, I'm kind of, I've, I've got my fingers holding on to the tiniest ledge of salon life by offering facials and waxing in amongst my spiritual and energetic services. And I'm being forced. I'm not being forced. Nobody's forcing me to do anything. I've been guided to this point in time. And I feel like I'm standing at a crossroads. And do I continue to waffle? Do I continue to edit myself? Do I continue to shrink to fit everybody else's expectations in this small southern town? Do I try to look completely sane to everybody? Or do I follow the path that I've been put on and the path of what is authentic to me that I've been guided to by my spirit guides and intuition? What do I do? And it's kind of a very strange place to stand. And I'm wondering if any of you have been standing there and what happened? How do you feel? What did you do? Did you, did you shrink down? Did you puff up? Did you stand your own sacred ground? I don't even know if this is going to make it to the air because it just feels like so much right now. But I needed to put it down on a recording and say it out loud, if for no other reason to listen to it back during the editing process. I feel like having a YouTube channel and now having a podcast has been one of the most enlightening things ever because I have to watch myself and I have to listen to myself through the editing process and what an amazing thing it has been to learn things about myself that I never knew just by watching myself and listening to myself talk. So I would definitely suggest it. You don't have to have a YouTube channel if you don't want to. 
and you don't have to have a podcast if you don't want to, but take the time to video yourself and watch it and then just listen to yourself. Listen to your words. Speak your truth and listen to it and see how you feel. I would love, love, love to hear your experience and know what your decision was. Or even if you haven't made a decision yet, I would still love to hear it. Maybe we can hold each other's hands through all of this and walk along this crazy, and I use that term lovingly, this crazy path that is authenticity for people like us. I hope you have the most amazing day ever. And I do hope to hear from you. Take care.